With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the marshlands of central Florida, it's the Riley and Kimmy Show. A heavy, ominous stillness falls over the swamp. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this episode, 1,343. It's a Sunday, August 20th. Thank you for checking out the Riley and Kimmy Show. Right next to me is... Jamie! I got one name! Jamie! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! Hi! Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy... Three very sane spectators. Well, that is true. Actually, maybe uh, one, two... Yeah, uh, Four actually now in the studio. We have three fur kids that are uh, that have joined us. That means the uh, the new one, the adoptee uh, that uh, we adopted last week. It's been one week. Uh, we adopted him at the or from the Halifax Humane Society. He is in studio now with two of his fur siblings. They are in their fur bed, and the other sane person right next to my left is my Sunday funny. That is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And how are those uh, three fur kids doing right now? Okay. <laughs> They're doing fine. Remember, adopt, don't shop. And, I mean, we really have a gem here with the adoptee that, uh, that joined the family. Yes, we do. Yes. If you'd like to see him and follow his adventures, you can do that on our other page that we have, besides the Riley and Kimmy Show uh, Facebook page and also website. We have a a page that is specifically, well, it's, it's set up just for pets and animals, and it's called Animal Special. And you can check that out. We have links to it right off the Riley and Kimmy Show website. And what is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. RileyandKimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? Yeah, there's a question on this Sunday Funnies. Does Kimmy want to play a game like in nerd and pop culture trivia? Would you like to play today, Kimmy? Yeah, let's play a game. You're, you're able to, right, on a Sunday morning? Yeah, I'm game. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions from the timeline in just a few moments. The nerd timeline, that is. The pop culture timeline, which has been adjusted. It's kind of a little out of whack. Feel free to help her out with answers. You get more of these right than wrong. If she does, if she gets more of them right than wrong, she'll get herself uh, either lunch or dinner of her choice in Greater Orlando, Florida. And we'll include Daytona Beach in the, uh, the offering. And by the way, you can find out uh, more about how to get to the Riley and Kimmy show at your upcoming events. That includes pet events or maybe your upcoming uh, event at your store or business or charity event. Just go right to our event page and find out ways to contact us directly there. Also available for uh, other things too, promotional based for your nonprofit organization or your store or business. Just check out our event page at RileyandKimmy.com. Right now, getting ready to open up that uh, trivia book and asking Kimmy some questions. Feel free to shout out answers to whatever listening device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on because we believe in time travel answers and you can listen to us anywhere on planet Earth. You can listen to us on any laptop, desktop, tablet, or you know, smartphone, smartwatch, or maybe uh, smart glasses. Shout those answers out. You are in the future. We are in your past, but Kimmy believes in a temporal, temporal, uh, you know, portal opening up and answers popping out. I think she thinks Rick is uh, has that portal gun and mm. opens up things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I, I, mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling. Here we go. It's a Sunday, August 20th. Now, Kimmy, the very first question we have for you is music and movie-based, Kimmy, so there's a good chance you'll get this one right off the bat. The first question, though, might be a little, it's it's a two-parter, might be a little difficult, because it's a recording artist we're going to ask you about who starred in a movie. It was on this date in history 
that this individual began working on the film Where the Boys Are. Now, the question for you is, who sang the title for the movie and appeared in it? Here's your audio clue. Tell me who sang that theme. Connie Francis. That's right. Now, we have a question for you. First of all, have you ever seen the movie? No, I haven't. Well, I'm kind of surprised because it's about four Midwestern college co-eds who spend spring break in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The question is, was this filmed in the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s? We'll give you a chance to think about it with this rewind moment. You going? Where the boys are! The screen jumps for joy with Glendon Swarthout's inside story of those uproarious Easter vacations. Gentlemen, the city of Fort Lauderdale is once again under fire from the north. Now, Fort Lauderdale is not the only community to be invaded at this time. In Palm Springs and in Newport, on the beaches of the Mid-Atlantic, the students of America are gathering to celebrate the rites of spring. Where's the beach? According to this, it's across the street. Join the fun as the gang tears loose where the boys are. There's plenty of room. All the comforts of home. Anybody here from Tristan? Come on, live it up with their laugh sessions, their romantic sessions, and those way out jam sessions. You gotta turn on the sunshine. You gotta push the blues away. It's the singing sensation of the nation. Okay, Kimmy, it is Where the Boys Are. That is the trailer. That was the trailer for the movie. Now, you know it had a hit, which peaked at number four on the charts, the top 100. Number four. What decade is that movie from? Is it from the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s? 1950s? It's from the 1960s. It's from 1960 when it happened. Started filming today and then was released in theaters on December 28th of 1960. Mm. Now, if you have a sharp eye, there are some people to check out in the movie. George Hamilton makes one of his first appearances in the film. It's kind of cool to check out, but one really cool to check out is Frank Gorshin is in the movie. That is six years before playing the Riddler. And then another is Chill Wills, who is the voice of Francis the Talking Mule and has done many other work, too, including a really cool episode of Night Gallery, where he plays somebody who finds a medical bag from the future. He actually pairs up with a Burgess Meredith. It's a fantastic episode. So it's really a cool thing to check out and also to see how Spring Break was because this movie, some blame for causing Spring Breakers to really flock to Fort Lauderdale and South Florida because it there was a major surgence of that in 1961 and on. Mm. And they, they attribute it to this movie... That is where the boys are. Now, I'm surprised you never went to Florida during spring break. You never did, did you? No, I didn't. Did you go anywhere south to, you know? No. You you just stayed up in the tundra. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, moving back to trivia. Kimmy, the year is 1965. This single was released in the United States. Identify the song. Here's your clue. What's the name of the song, Kimmy? Satisfaction. And who is the recording artist? The Rolling Stones. That's right. I Can't Get No Satisfaction, 1965, released in the United States. The year is 1967. Something happens that helps out people who listen to uh, tapes a little bit later on. The New York Times reports about a noise reduction system for albums and tape recording that was developed by technicians. Can you tell me the name of that uh, noise reduction system? And you might remember in theaters they would say, Blank Sound. Mm. And they some cassette decks 
you might have started seeing in the late 70s or so would have blank sound and even car stereos would have blank star uh, blank sound on its cassette player they would say do you remember what that was called it was a big deal memorex no it's dolby dolby yes it was created by technicians r and dw dolby Electra Records subsidiary, Checkmate Records became the first label to use the new Dolby process with its recording starting in 1967. The year is 1973. This group releases this song. Now, we've made it a little challenging for you, Kimmy. Identify the song. The song is backwards. It's reversed. See if you can identify this hit. Can you do it, or have we stumped you finally with a reverse song? Angie? And who had that as a hit, Kimmy? The Rolling Stones. I don't know how you were able to identify that backwards. Reverse. Mm. Yeah, she has not missed one yet when we've done that. You realize that? Not a single time. Mm. And we don't do it a lot, but when we have done the reversed songs, that is the first. I mean, you've never missed one. And you thought I'd missed that one. Yes, I did. The year is 1977. Voyager 2 was launched by the United States. Now, the spacecraft was carrying a 12-inch copper phonograph record containing greetings in dozens of languages. It also had samples of music and sounds of nature on it. There was a science fiction movie that came out just a few years later, 1979, that kind of based itself on that Voyager being launched. Do you know the name of the movie? No. Here's your audio clue, then tell me the name of the film. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. B-G-E-R. Feature. B-O-Y-A-G-E-R. Voyager. Voyager 6. NASA. National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Jim. This was launched more than 300 years ago. Voyager series. Designed to collect data. And transmit it back to Earth. Give me that's your audio clue. Tell me the movie actually had been a success. Well, let's rephrase that. It had been a TV series back in the 60s and then became successful in syndication in the 70s. Can you tell me the name of the movie? Star Trek. Star Trek, the motion picture, a lot of people try to forget about it, but that's it, 1979. It was kind of loosely based on Voyager because they had Voyager 6, but Voyager 2 launched on this day, 1977. <music> Moving over to celebrity and notable birthdays, this person born on this date in 1833, Benjamin Harrison. Why is he famous, Kimmy? He was a president. That's correct. 23rd president of the United States from 1889 to 1893. He was the grandson of the ninth president, William Henry Harrison, creating the only grandfather-grandson duo to hold the office of president. Next person born on this date, H.P. Lovecraft. Can you tell me why he is famous? He was born in 1890. What is he known for? He's an author. I'll accept that. An American horror fiction author. He was virtually unknown and published only in pulp magazines before he died in poverty, but he is now regarded as one of the most significant 20th century authors in his genre. Have you ever read any of his work? Mm, not sure. Okay, and moving down the list here to the world of music. Born on this date in 1924, it is Jim Reeves, otherwise known as Gentleman Jim Reeves. Had tons of hits. Matter of fact, when you were, he had passed away before you were born, Kimmy, you died in 1964 at the age of 40 in an airplane crash. 
he was the pilot, and he died really close to the airport that he was going to land at. There was an accident, storm came through, and he did not survive. But he had a ton of hits, and television for years would sell compilations of his material, so you do know his work. Here's a fun hit of his from 1954 that I just happen to use as a ringtone for, well, at least one or two people. Bimbo, bimbo, where you gonna go, yo? Bimbo, bimbo, what you gonna do, yo? Bimbo, bimbo, does your mommy know that you're going down the road to see a little girly, yo? Bimbo is a little boy who's got a million friends, and every time he passes by, they all invite him in. He'll clap his hands, sing and dance, and talk his baby talk. With the hole in his pants and his knees sticking out, he's just big enough to walk. Bimbo, bimbo, where you gonna go, yo? Bimbo, bimbo, what you gonna do, yo? Bimbo, bimbo, does your mommy know? That's gentleman Jim Reeves with Bimbo from 1954. It's actually a number one hit in the on the country charts, and it charted on the top 40 at number 26. Another hit of his, 1957, Four Walls. You're drawn like a moth to a flame. You laugh while the wine's overflowing. While I sit and whisper your name Walls from 1957, number one on the country charts, number 12 on the top 40, and his biggest hit is one that they used to really uh, sample on the uh, commercials. Biggest hit, top 40, that is. It was a number one country hit from 1960, and you definitely hear his range with this one. Here is He'll Have to Go. Put your sweet lips a little closer to the phone. Let's pretend that we're together. All alone I'll tell the man To turn the jukebox Way down low And you can tell Your friend there with you He'll have to go Jim Reeves, born on this date, 1924. Kimmy moving to somebody who is a boxing promoter Really known in the 1980s, late 70s And going into, well, into the 2000s Known for his hair, too. See if you can identify who he is. Tell me who the birthday person is and how old he is today within five years once you tell me who it is. He's the greatest country in the world. Only in America. Only in America, my man. Can you tell me who that is? No. Had wild hair. Big time promoter. Boxing promoter. Oh. Oh. Wild um, hair. I hey, can see him. Yes, you can. Controversial figure. I can't think of his name. It's Don King. Now, how old is Don King today within five years? Uh, 78. He is 86 years old today. Moving to the world of music and acting. This individual uh, dabbled in acting, did voice work too. Born on this date. Tell me who he is. Here's one of the, well, a sample of his voice work from a cartoon. Here he is. I'm gonna make love to you, woman. Gonna lay you down by the fire. And caress your womanly body. Make you moan and perspire. Can you tell me? <laughs> oh, I wish this was video. That look on Kimmy's face. Can you tell me who that is, or do you need another audio sample? I don't know. Yes, you do. Now, that was from a cartoon that he was part of for a period of time called South Park. He played the chef, but he had a big hit in 1971, number two on the top 40 charts. It did not hit number one. Most people say that eh, was number one. It did not hit number one on the top 40. It did on R&B charts, but not on the top 40. Tell me who he is. All right, on. They say this cat Shaft is a bad mother. I'm talking about He's a complicated man, but no one understands him but his woman. Who is that, Kimmy? 
Oh. He had the hit, yep. the theme from Shaft. That was his biggest hit, 1971. Oh, I can't do it. He was a voice of the chef on South Park. Can you do it? Mm-mm. He appeared on TV shows, various shows in the 1970s. Can you do it? Mm-mm. It's Isaac Hayes, who mm. was born on this date in 1942, died 2008 at the age of 65. Next person is a news person, an anchor person, Kimmy, born on this date. Tell me how old she is. Once you identify who she is, you have a five-year buffer on her age. In 1993, she became only the second female to co-anchor a network newscast as part of the CBS Evening News. She was removed in 1995 as CBS Evening News co-anchor after a controversial interview. Here is your audio clue. Tell me who she is. And that's our news. Coming up later tonight on Eye to Eye, my interview with former hostage Michael Durant and another exclusive, a conversation with Heidi Fleiss, the so-called Hollywood madam. Eye to Eye tonight. Oh, that was a light that just went out above us. That's all it was. Don't worry. Eye to Eye tonight at a special time. We just wanted to get your attention. A special time tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern and Pacific, 9 Central. See you then. She co-anchored with Dan Rather for a period of time. Who is she? It's not Katie Couric. No. Um, no, I can't do it. I'll give you one more clue. She is married to talk show host Maury Povich. Connie Chung? I'm Connie Chung in New York. I'll see you again next Sunday night. Thank you for joining us and for all of us at CBS News. Good night. Yeah, I knew you knew that one, Kimmy. I, I don't know where you pulled it out of, but uh, congratulations there. And how old is Connie Chung? Today, within five years. Um, 68. You get it? She is 71 today. Next person, Kimmy. Musician, identify who he is. He was part of a band for a period of time. Matter of fact, several bands. Uh, one extremely big and influential, and then one that popped up in the mid-80s and had a couple of hits, especially cover versions of things, one of them which would go into a movie called The Sea of Love. See if you can tell me who this lead singer is. He had solo hits as well. Here's one from 1988, number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100, and number one on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart. Identify who this is. Is the birthday person, Kimmy? Robert Plant. Yes. How old is Robert Plant today within five? Um, 68. He is 69, so you're on a roll. Looks like dinner or lunch of your choice from uh, anywhere in Central Florida is coming your way. There's a good chance here. Next person having a birthday today, tell me how old he is within five years. Television personality, current television personality, Best known for being a weather anchor on one of the networks, Kimmy. Here is your audio clue. He talks about his start in broadcasting. My first big break happened in, I'd say, May of 1974. Uh, I was a sophomore in college at uh, SUNY Oswego. So I was doing anything to to pay the bills. I worked at uh, a local radio station, WSGO in Oswego, New York, which was in Radio Park. Radio Park was a trailer that was next to pollution abatement. Pollution abatement was a plant that burned toxic waste. So I'm in a trailer getting $3.15 an hour playing uh, uh, Al Hurt and Montavani records because it was easy listening. And I'm breathing in I don't know what. I'm surprised I haven't had a third arm pop out somewhere. About six months later, put me up for a job uh, at the television station he worked at. He worked at, uh, then it was called WHEN-TV in Syracuse, New York. Now it's WTVH, the CBS station. The news director came to him and said, look, we're going to start doing on the weekends four news broadcasts, uh, 6 and 11. And we need to get a, a weather guy and a sports guy. Got any kids up there at school that you like? I got the job uh, because, as the, the news director Andy Brigham later went on to say, I can only afford a drunk or a college student uh, because they were paying ten dollars a newscast. So I was going to be making forty bucks a weekend. Who is that, Kimmy? 
Al Roker. Yeah, you got it. It's Al Roker. How old is he today within five? Um, 69. Oh, Kimmy, you're too high. Al Roker is 63 today. Mm. You know, he's one of the individuals I'd love to meet. He just—he seems warm and friendly and fuzzy. He mm-hmm. seems like a big teddy bear, doesn't he? Yeah. Even though he's lost weight, he's not a teddy bear, actually. But he seems really friendly, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he does. Next person, can we identify this actor? He played a vampire with uh, blonde hair in the television series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also on its spinoff, Angel, from 1997 to 2004. He played Brainiac on Smallville. And he has appeared at conventions that you have been at over the course of time. Can you tell me who he is and how old he is today within five? Yes. Um, can you give me his initials? J.M. Wow. Totally drawing a blank, but I know who it is. First name's James. Can you give me his last name? Marsters. That's right. How old is he today within five? Uh, 50. He is 55, so you get that one. I see dead people. Notable deaths. 2012, this American comedian and actress dies at the age of 95, Kimmy. Identify who she is. All he cares about is football. I thought that our weekends after we were married would be a loaf of bread, a jug of wine, and laughs. You know how it turned out? A box of pretzels, a can of beer, and the Green Bay Packers. wouldn't believe the way this man boozes. He can kill a six-pack during an instant replay. (laughs) His breath is so bad, the dentist works on him through his ears. (laughs) He's such a coward. When I take him to the dentist's office, they have to strap him in the chair, give him a shot of Novocaine, and a balloon. (laughs) That's in the waiting room. Can you identify that comedian? Phyllis Diller. That's correct, Kimmy. 2012, Phyllis Diller passed away on this date. I think you did a fantastic job, Kimmy. I I really do. I think we have, uh, let's see here, lunch or dinner anywhere in either, let's see, Orlando or Daytona, anywhere in Central Florida for you to choose from. How's that? Cool. And what we're going to do right now is honor something we talked about on Trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. Radio And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Anytime we can go back in time to the golden age of radio, we take that opportunity. And the golden age of radio was full of, I mean, it's just like today with a satellite dish. You you have just unlimited programming and various types of programming to choose from. It was the same way back way back when with the golden age of radio. There were shows that were comedy-based. There were dramas, action-based. Tons of things, including documentaries and sometimes a little bit bizarre documentaries, recreations in history. And they could pull this off very well at the time because the theater of the mind didn't require a huge budget like you would have to have for a movie production. So they could do things and and time travel very easily with the golden age of radio. And they did that with a program called Mr. President. And they featured Benjamin Harrison on one of its episodes. And we have that right now. And Edward Arnold, actor, fantastic. Matter of fact, just a great voice. He's one of those individuals you can just listen and read maybe a telephone book or something like that. If you don't know what a telephone book is, I get it. Big book, had a lot of phone numbers in it way back when. Right, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. Now, it could have been a small book if you were in a small community, but generally a big book with a bunch of phone numbers in it. That that pre-internet, right? Yeah. And anyhow, Edward Arnold could read that and it'd be quite entertaining or any other kind of, uh, you know, book. Uh-huh. Okay. A boring book. He can make it entertaining. And he portrays Benjamin Harrison. And we're going back in time right now. This is kid friendly, safe for all ages. It's a different type of biography. I guarantee it. It's not that boring kind of stuff. It's, it's quite fun. We go back in time now. Here is Benjamin Harrison's story on the Riley and Kimmy show. President, starring Edward Arnold. The American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations present Mr. President. 
Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. The true human stories of Mr. President. Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It's evening, and only one window shows a light, a study on the ground floor. We find ourselves in the corridor outside his office. Good evening. I'm the President's secretary. Won't you go in, please? Some visitors for you, Mr. President. Hello. Sit down, won't you? You know what often happens in the White House, as it does everywhere else, that just when things are quiet, that's the moment to look out for trouble. The almost forgotten but true story I'm going to tell you happened to one of our presidents. And it's about an incident that involved this country in one of its most dangerous situations. Later on, I'll tell you which president I was when this story happened. But meanwhile, see if you can guess. One day, my secretary, Miss Sarah, and I were finishing a hurried but excellent lunch. It was the first White House meal prepared by a French cook Miss Sarah had insisted upon employing. Miss Zara. Oh, I'm very glad, Mr. President. That was the finest plate of ham and eggs I've had in months. Jambon et des oeufs au plat de Rochambeau. I beg your pardon? Jambon et des oeufs au plat de Rochambeau. <laughs> it's what the new cook calls ham and eggs. <laughs> new French cook, huh? <laughs> well, whatever she calls anything, she's wonderful. Wouldn't you like to tell her so yourself? She said if you were pleased with the first meal she cooked, might she have the honor of meeting you? Oh, by all means. She's been waiting in the pantry. Madame Videl. Oui, Monsen. Come in, please. The president liked your ham and your jambon des oeufs au plat de Rochambeau very much. I did. I did indeed, Mrs. Videl. Oh, I am so happy, Monsieur le Président. Tonight, I will cook for you a dish of my native province. Good. What it'll be? Escargot avec des légumes à la Côte d'Azur. Escargot? Snails, Monsieur le Président. Snails? Oh, no, Mrs. Videl. Do you know how to make broiled ham and apple fritters a la... Well, uh, the way we make them in Ohio. Ah, mes apple fritters. Oh, Monsieur le Président, mais non. I am a French woman. I am a French cook. What have I to do with Ohio? I guess you're right, Mrs. Vidal. Uh, you go right on being a French woman and a French cook. Only, no snails. Très bien, Monsieur le Président. <laughs> no snails. <laughs> you know, Miss Sarah, it's wonderful what good food can do for a human being. <laughs> But that night, while everything was so calm and pleasant in the White House, something quite different was about to happen in the city of New Orleans. It was dark. A drizzling rain was falling, and on a corner stood a boy waiting. Then he saw a man walking rapidly toward him, and he began to whistle. so treacherously ambushed was Chief of Police Hennessy of New Orleans. In a few minutes, he was lying on a sofa in the nearby house of a friend. Listen. Yes? The boy that whistled, he was their lookout, and two men fired the shots. I saw them as a fail. Do you know who they were, Hennessy? Yes. They... they... Hennessy? Hennessy! Police Hennessy died, but expert detective work by other officials led to the arrest of the murderers and their accomplices, eight men all told. They were members of a powerful secret criminal society known originally in Italy as the Mafia, or Black Hand. They had long terrorized New Orleans. Soon they were brought to trial. (laughs) 
Eight men stand charged with murder and with belonging to the secret criminal society of the mafia. This jury finds him not guilty. Not guilty? Not guilty? That jury was intimidated by the mafia like this whole city. If the courts won't punish him, then the citizens and audience will. letters and reports for you. Oh, thanks, Miss Sarah. Well, did you have a good breakfast, Mr. President? Mm, as usual. Mm-hmm. There's letters from the vice president. Eh, we'll answer it this afternoon. Oh, speaking of breakfast, I've only got one complaint about Mrs. Vidal's cooking. Yes? Uh, she's been here over a month, and she still hasn't made me any ham and apple fritters. <laughs> I'm afraid she never will. She's been acting a little uh, rebellious lately. Oh? Why? Well, every time you ask her for your favorite dish, she feels you don't like her French cooking. Well, the truth is, I am a little tired of the rich food she prepares. I want broiled ham for variety. My favorite dish. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Mm, mm. Oh, good heavens. What is it? It's a report from the federal attorney in New Orleans. Last night there were there was a lynching riot. A mob broke into the jail and killed eight men who just stood trial for murder. The newspaper said they'd been acquitted. Mm, that's what started the riot, Miss Sarah. Oh, the people there still thought they were guilty, I suppose. Regardless of that, lynching is horrible. It's brutal and lawless. And probably these lynchers will go free. Isn't there anything you can do, Mr. President? Well, I regret that such things happen in this country. Well, I mean, is there nothing you can do directly? That's purely a matter for the state of Louisiana, Miss Sarah. In a case like this, the President of the United States is helpless. Secretary of State. Oh, come in, Mr. Secretary. Mr. President, you know all about the lynching of those eight men in your audience. Oh, of course, and I think it's a disgrace. It's worse than that, sir. As a result of it, the United States may find itself at war. War? What are you talking about? The Italian government demands that we punish the mob who carried out the lynching and pay a heavy indemnity to the dead men's families. They demand? The Italian government? On what grounds? Well, they claim that these men were Italian citizens. Were they? Or were they American citizens? That point's not clear at all, sir. But the Italian government assumes they were Italians, and that's why they take such a strong tone with us. But they must know our federal government has no police authority inside a state. We can't move against the lynch mob. Of course. And that's what we'll have to say in our reply. Only I doubt if the Italian government will accept it. Hmm. And if they don't? The Italian Navy is very strong, Mr. President. Oh, I see what you mean. We're not in a strong diplomatic position, are we? We're in a very weak one, and to, to put it bluntly, Mr. President, if it turns out that those men were actually Italian citizens, well, you can see how a serious international incident can develop. Wars have started over far less than the lives of eight men. Uh, Mr. Secretary, before we can answer the Italian government, we've got to have some more information. I'll send for the governor of Louisiana, and then we can talk to the Italian ambassador. I'll notify you as soon as the governor arrives. Now, whatever happens, Mr. Secretary, we're not going to permit any foreign government to deal with us this way. Mr. President, I had your message. I came as soon as I could reach the Italian ambassador. Did you bring him with you? He's waiting in the blue room now, sir. Good. The governor of Louisiana's in the West study. Mr. Secretary, it'll take me only a moment or so to talk to the governor and get uh, an insurance of action from him. Action? Punishment of the lynch mob? Exactly. I suggest you join the ambassador, and I'll be there in a few minutes. I'll be waiting anxiously, sir. Now, let's hope this is the answer to our problem. Oh, Mr. Governor, I appreciate your making this special trip to Washington. I know it's an urgent matter, sir. Hey, please sit down, won't you? I'll yeah. come right to the point. It's uh, about the lynchings, isn't it? Yes, uh, we're in serious trouble with the Italian government over them. In fact, the Italian ambassador is waiting for our official explanation. Now, who were those men, and why were they murdered? The jury said they were innocent. The people in New Orleans believed they were guilty. 
And they acted accordingly. As I understand it, they were charged with the murder of Chief of Police Hennessy and with other murders as well. Yeah, that's true. But a great deal lay behind the charges. For a long time, Hennessy had been trying to smash the mafia in New Orleans. They had the city terrorized. That's why the people believed they intimidated the jury. And they were lynched because the people of Louisiana refused to tolerate a foreign secret criminal society any longer. Uh, you're satisfied they belong to the mafia. Well, not only those men, but dozens more who haven't been caught. They're the worst kind of criminals, Mr. President. They fled to this country when Italy herself systematically attacked the mafia. Do you know if they were still uh, Italian citizens, or had they taken out American citizenship papers? Well, uh, as far as we know, sir, few of them ever bothered to become American citizens. You know, we have a difficult situation, Governor. Even if those men were the worst kind of criminals, that doesn't condone lynching. Oh, oh, oh. Well, of course not, Mr. President. In Louisiana, we regret the tragedy as much as anyone. Governor, I have no authority to compel you or the state of Louisiana to act in this matter, but I'm going to ask your help. Yes, sir. The Secretary of State and I have to settle this question with the Italian government. If we don't handle it just right, it may lead to war. War? Boy, I didn't realize, Mr. President. Now, it'll help us tremendously if we know that you're going to catch and punish the members of the lynch mob. Well, we can try, sir. In fact, we're already trying. Will you personally push the investigation? Why, of course I will, Mr. President. That's what I had hoped you'd do. Now, uh, well, will you stay overnight? Well, uh, thank you, Mr. President, but I think I'd better start right back from New Orleans. I suppose that is best. Thank you again for coming, Governor. And now I can talk to the Italian ambassador. Uh, goodbye, sir. I'll, goodbye. I'll report to you very soon. Good. Uh, gentlemen, I, I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. How do you do, Mr. Ambassador? I am honored, Mr. President. Mr. Ambassador, I would like to speak quite frankly. Excellente, Signor President. We are very disturbed at the tone of the protest your government made to us. Eight men were murdered, Mr. President. That is good reason for disturbance. May I ask, what is your reply? The answer of the government of the United States to your government, sir, makes several points. First of all, you must understand something about the structure of our government. I have already American history with interest, Mr. President. Uh, the ambassador prides himself on his knowledge of America, Mr. President. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, our nation consists of states which enjoy certain powers and the federal government which enjoys certain other powers. The one cannot interfere with the other. I am aware of all of these things, Mr. President. I don't think so, Mr. Ambassador. Or you'd realize that the President of the United States, for one thing, cannot punish murderers. You mean they are to go free? I mean that it's up to the state of Louisiana to catch the men who formed that lynch mob and punish them. The state of Louisiana, sir? You expect us to deal with one of your states. Mr. Ambassador, I believe the president means this, that uh, we need a little time to see that the state of Louisiana takes action. Action? One of your courts said those men were innocent, whereupon they were murdered. My government protests vigorously the persecution and murder of innocent men. Now, just a minute, Mr. Ambassador. We have good reason to believe those men belong to the mafia, a secret society professional criminals that came here from Italy in the first place. Your government knows all about the mafia. Why did you let them leave? Why were you content to drive them out of your country to become a menace to other countries? Well, I, uh, I, I cannot argue that point, Mr. President. Of course not. I have made the protest of my government. What is your reply? You can sum it up this way. The United States government deplores lynching. It will do everything it can to see that the innocent do not suffer and that the guilty are punished. But it will not accept high-handed dictation from another nation as to its conduct. That is very strong language, Mr. President. Do you wish me to report this conversation to my government? In your words? Yes, I most certainly do, sir. Oh, of course, Miss Sarah. What is it? Madame Videl. Oh, she decided to make my broiled ham and apple fritters at last? Well, I finally ordered her to, but she flatly refuses and wants to speak to you. I'm sorry, Mr. President. Oh, it's all right. Let her come in. Oh, thank you. Come in, Madame Videl, please. Merci bien, mademoiselle. Monsieur le Président, 
There is one thing I do not understand. Only one thing, Mrs. Riddell? You're very lucky. I have cooked for you jambon and reserve a la rochambeau, escargot avec bon, legumes à la cote I have made thousand and one wonderful dishes, and you want ham and apple fritters. It is too much, Monsieur le Président. Well, I don't see why, Mrs. Riddell. Apple fritters are easy to make. What are apple fritters? Food is not only for the stomach, it is also for the soul. What can apple fritters do for the soul? Well, in Ohio, Mrs. Riddell, they can do a great deal. Now, this evening, if you like, I'll come down to the kitchen and show her how to make <gasps> apple fritters. Show me. Mon Dieu, Monsieur le Président. I am insulted. I am very, very insulted. For 20 years in Paris, I cooked for Monsieur le Duc de Choiseul, for Madame la Comtesse de Noyer de Chambrin, in the Café de Trochard, and in Maxime. No one can show me how to cook. <laughs> I'm afraid I hurt her feelings, Miss Sarah. <laughs> but I thought you liked the way she cooks. Miss Sarah, I have an Ohio stomach. <laughs> and an Ohio stomach is certain ideas of its own. Now, I've got enough of French cooking. Do you suppose we could find her another job? <laughs> well, only yesterday the French embassy called and wanted to take her away from us. I said no. Well, let's change our minds, Miss Sarah. Uh, give us, uh, give Mrs. Vidal two weeks' wages, a wonderful letter of recommendation, and the address of the French embassy. Then maybe I can get some apple fritters, huh? Mr. President, a letter from the governor of Louisiana. Oh, let me see it. Mm-hmm. Dear Mr. President, I have conferred with the police authorities of New Orleans about apprehending members of the lynch mob. Though deploring mob violence as deeply as we do, and though deeply aware of the danger of hostilities with Italy, they consider themselves helpless. Many thousands of people were involved in the riots, and no one will admit guilt, especially as so many people feel that the mafia society here must be smashed one way or another. As it is impossible to arrest and question half the population of the city, I must confess that my mission has failed. With sincere regrets and so forth. Now we are in trouble, Miss Sarah. That was our best hope and it's gone. I've received another note from the Italian government. And what do they say, Mr. Secretary? It's one of the most insulting diplomatic messages I've ever seen, sir. They reject our explanation, our request for time to investigate. They make certain hostile criticisms of our form of government that we're a group of lawless states masquerading as a nation. I, I, I've brought the note for you to read, sir. Well, they're making so much of this incident, Mr. Secretary. I don't fully understand it. It's very serious, sir. I know, I know, but it doesn't call for international insults, especially ones that may lead to war. Well, my theory, sir, is that Italy is oversensitive, hot-headed. They may not realize how close to war they're carrying us and themselves. What's the next step, Mr. Secretary? They've already taken it. They have? What? They've called their ambassador home. He's been withdrawn. They've broken off diplomatic relations? Exactly, Mr. President. Then we haven't any choice, have we? Why? I don't quite follow you, sir. Well, we've got to recall our ambassador from Rome. Well, I thought of that, sir, of course, but it's such an extreme step to take. Still, we've got to take it. We'll be severely criticized. Right here at home, sir. They, they'll claim it means war. I know, but that's a complication we'll have to meet as best we can. Very well, sir. I will dispatch a recall order to our ambassador at once. And uh, I'll keep you informed. Thank you. Uh, come in, Miss Sarah. I'm just leaving. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Oh, what is it, Miss Sarah? You look worried. Mr. President, I, I'm terribly sorry. Well, what is it, Miss Sarah? Come out with it. Well, it seems so unimportant, but Madame Videl oh. refuses to be discharged with two weeks' wages. She's going to sue the White House. <laughs> President, here are the evening papers. Well, I can imagine what they're like. I've picked out the most important editorial. Now, what do they say? That we're not prepared for war and that the White House is seriously at fault for letting this crisis come about. Hmm. Have any of them any idea how to solve the crisis? Here are several messages from government officials, all deeply alarmed. Well, I'll look them over later. Good night, Miss Sarah. <laughs>
Come in. Oh, good morning, Miss Sarah. Good morning, Mr. President. The Secretary of State's on his way upstairs. I've ordered your breakfast sent up here to your room. What about his breakfast? He said he didn't feel like eating anything. I'm surprised to find you so cheerful, Mr. Me? President. Me? Why not? It's a beautiful morning, and things look different in the sunlight. Oh, they don't to you, huh? I'm afraid I have an international incident of my own. Oh, uh, come in, Mr. <laughs> Secretary. Well, thank you, Miss Sarah. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning. Breakfast will be right up, gentlemen. Well, Mr. Secretary, you look glum, too. With good reason, sir. I had a very early morning message. I am being called before the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee today. About the ambassador? Yes. To explain how we've come to this very dangerous situation with Italy. The problem is, what am I to say that won't make the situation worse? If I explain the facts, the Italian government may be even more offended than it is now. And the Senate is hardly going to be friendly. Mr. Secretary, when you walked in, I saw your face drop because I wasn't gloomy, too. I've been thinking hard all night. And I believe I know how we can end this situation. Uh, between now and the time I go up to the Senate, sir? Uh, that's pretty quick. No, not that quickly, but you can explain that we're reopening negotiations with Italy. Reopening negotiations, sir? How? Along what lines? Well, first of all, we must admit that the lynching was a brutal crime, and we must pay the families of those men an, an indemnity. Yes, but that won't satisfy the Italians. They want the murderers punished. Well, it's just possible I've got the answer, Mr. Secretary. I want, uh, I want you to make the Italians this offer. I will ask Louisiana to make new efforts to find and punish the lynchers. But they can't, sir. It's a physical impossibility. I know, I know. They'd have to put a detective in every home in New Orleans, and then it wouldn't work. But wait till you hear the second part of my offer. Yes? In exchange for our promise, I want Italy to take back all the mafia members, all the murderers, robbers, and blackmailers that we may find anywhere in this country. But they, they won't agree to that, sir. That's impossible, too. Exactly my point, Mr. Secretary. If we face them with an impossible request, they'll see what an impossible problem they gave us. Then they may come around to accepting a perfectly reasonable settlement. We'll ask Congress to vote an indemnity to the families of these men who were lynched. And we'll take the necessary steps to see that there's no repetition of a crime of this kind. I'll be most happy to follow your plan, sir. But uh, I still have to answer the Senate this morning. I think all you'd better say is that you're reopening negotiations with the Italians. I wonder if that'll satisfy the senators. Then there's one more thing you can say. That as soon as I can, I'll tell them myself whether it's to be peace or war. Mr. President, Mr. President. What is it? Good news at last, sir. The Italian government has seen the wisdom of your proposal. They're willing to settle the dispute by negotiation. Oh, so trying to give the mafia back to them worked, didn't it? Eh? <laughs> it did indeed, sir. They will regard the matter as closed if Congress votes an indemnity to the families of the men who were lynched. I'm sure Congress will do it, Mr. Secretary. Well, this is a great relief. Well, only one thing remains, sir. Your message to both houses of Congress. It's not war, but peace. Our negotiations with the Italian government have ended successfully, and our two great nations are again friends. <laughs> however, however, this incident enables me to remind all peoples of the world that America's arms are always open to the poor, the oppressed, to the brave, the honest, the ambitious, who want freedom in a new land. But no foreign organization hostile to our traditions and dangerous to our civilization will be permitted to exist in the United States. We have labored to build a free nation, and we shall labor to keep it a free nation. Are you still here? It's rather late. Well, 
Yes, I'm still here. How was the banquet, Mr. President? Oh, I enjoyed it. Do you mean the food was really good at a banquet? Well, I don't know about that. I was glad to see our ambassador on his way back to Italy. Oh, well, Mr. President, you've had your international incident, and I've had one, Now, too. don't tell me Mrs. Vidal finally refused to withdraw her lawsuit. Well, today I had a long talk with the legal attaché of the French embassy. We did settle. Madame Vidal and the White House won't have to face each other in a court of law. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Not quite so wonderful, Mr. President. I had to pay her in full. Oh, well, never mind, Miss Sarah. We can't win every time. In any case, she's now happily installed in the French embassy, and that is that. Oh, good. But, Miss Sarah, I didn't eat very much at the banquet, and I'm going down to the kitchen for something to eat. Wouldn't you like a little snack? Well, I, uh, I already had something, Mr. President. Mm, when? when? I was so hungry a while ago, I went down to the kitchen and helped the assistant cook prepare a big dish of ham and apple fritters. Oh, that's wonderful. And I left an equally big dish in the oven for you. Oh, that's fine, Miss Sarah. You know, if you're not careful, I'll offer you the job of White House cook. <laughs> I was a little afraid of that. So today I employed a new cook, and she comes from Ohio. Ohio? Mm. Good night, Miss <laughs> Good President. night. Good night, Miss Sarah. <laughs> Yes, that's how it happened. We avoided an entirely unnecessary war with Italy and settled the matter in friendly style. And at the same time, we solved a very naughty servant problem. Oh, yes. There are servant problems in the White House, too. Now, have you guessed yet which president I was when these events took place? Well, the time was in 1891. And, uh... Benjamin Harrison lived in the White House then as Mr. President. I hope you'll come to see me again next week when I'll have another story for you about Mr. President. Good night. Mr. Arnold appears as Mr. President by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Romance of Rosie Ridge, starring Van Johnson, Thomas Mitchell, and Janet Leigh. Mr. President is presented each week by the American Broadcasting Company. It is produced by Robert G. Jennings, directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah is played by Betty Lou Gerson. Tonight's story by Paul R. Milton was suggested by two incidents in the administration of President Benjamin Harrison. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adler. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.